Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! Well, I'm excited to be here today, getting a chance to visit with my buddy Matt Cook, um, who's a sixth grade teacher at Paddock. And so, um, yeah, just going to talk a little personalized learning and see what that looks like in his in his classroom. And so, uh, Matt, yeah, what are some of the, I don't know, kind of your, what's your story as you got into personalized learning and, and introduced to all that? Um, what was kind of your experience? Why do I feel like I should be wearing headphones at a radio show right now? I'm not lying. <laughs> okay, so uh, personalized learning. The Matt Cook story. Uh, <laughs> really, uh, it boils down to um, reaching a point in your teaching where you think back to what happened to you as a student, and particularly for me, it applies to math because that's where I'm at. That's the majority of my time is spent teaching math. Thinking about uh, being in a classroom, hearing information from a teacher, uh, but thinking as a student. Why do I have to hear that this pace? Why do I have to do this right now? I already know how to do this. Why am I being here? Why can't I go on and do my own thing? I could be ahead of everyone else. I could go faster. Um, I could learn more quickly. Uh, why do I have to sit in this desk all the time? Why can't I go sit over there in the back of the classroom at a big <laughs> right. table and work with my friends? And there's a lot of questions that I ask myself as students. So I said, you know, why can't we provide that in environment for our kids now? Right. And that's my that was my idea. That was really, truly the very basic beginning of it. It's like... Um, I've got kids who don't need to sit here and listen to this lecture and I've got kids that need to hear it and then also need to sit at a table and do their homework with me and also need me to check it and also need more work when they go home. So you've got this wide range of kids and how do you meet all of their needs in one classroom during one hour of time? Um, And I tell you what, I love hearing in that too that uh, I think that's where you have to start is that you have to think about what the experience is like for kids and, and their needs and get in that perspective that they're coming from and that's a big step. You know, I'm concerned a little bit with our initiative that people will look at this and say, well, if I just make a flexible space and if I just give some more choices, this is going to be awesome. Uh, and I think that you're getting right to the core at what will ultimately drive the success or failure of this type of instruction or any instruction for that matter. But this one, I think, kind of allows for that to meet the learner where they're at a little bit more. Would you agree? Is that kind of? I think you're absolutely correct. I think the biggest piece that people have to look at when they look at the initiative of personalized learning is that relationship piece like that to me is the number one um and that's what started those thoughts is like when you get to know those kids and you see where they're at and you want them to be and i you know you use the the cliche word is engagement right but if they're not engaged they're not learning and if you don't know them you can't engage them Mm -hmm. and so knowing them and adjusting your teaching and adjusting your classroom to meet their need is you know it's not about how what's easiest for me it's not about what's easiest for Andrew Eastman or what's great <laughs> yeah. to hear at the administration building. It's about what makes these kids learn. So really building that relationship was important. And, yeah. and, and that's one, too, that I feel like as people there. talk knowing you're a learner, they're like, oh, knowing you're a learner, got it, get that that's important. But it's, mm-hmm. it's so much more than that. And I even think that it's interesting to consider the fact that they don't even know everything about themselves yet. And so, mm-hmm. like, what can, can um, what constructs or systems can you put in place to help yeah. them better understand themselves? Well, because they don't even know. So, how how can you sort of say, "Oh yeah, I got this." We're friends. We talk about baseball when they come in the room every day. <laughs> I mean, we're cool, right? I understand. Yeah, but Johnny's, not, o- Johnny's decent at math. No, <laughs> like, you actually, you know what? And you know what, Andrew? 
that's it's funny that you say that. There's got you've also got as a teacher to be willing to do a couple of things. First of all, you have to be willing to let go of control. You can't be in charge and have 100% fixed control over everything you do in your classroom all the time. You've got to get rid of that. And maybe that came from me as a 30-year-old with maturity, and maybe it came as a parent, because as a parent, you have no control. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but at, one, at that point where I, made those, <laughs> where I made those changes, right? right? It was that ability to just say, okay, I don't have to like <laughs> strangle it out of you every day. The second thing is um, you've got to be willing to let, uh, I, guess, I guess that goes along with control and letting students make choices and, and, and know that you have to change as a teacher to meet them. To, to honor that voice, yeah. right? When yeah. they do, like, as they do make those choices, good, bad, or indifferent too. Maybe it's a parenting thing also, right? Right. <laughs> Sometimes you go, it's probably going to work out very well for well, you, and but I'm going to give you the freedom to figure it out. And Well, and that's the other thing. You just reminded me, the second point that I was trying to make when you said okay. that is that you have to be willing to fail a little bit. And failure doesn't mean it's a ruined school year, the kid got nothing out of it. You're a teacher, you're giving information, kids are going to learn. Uh, it was Blaine McCann that actually said to me, like that one of those first times I ever met him or the first times we spent time together, that said, you know what? They're going to learn in your classroom. You're going to have to try new things and you know what? Some of them aren't going to work. Just because something doesn't work in your room doesn't mean the kid didn't learn. Mm -hmm. So I applied that to the classroom, that math classroom environment and that Kids are going to be put into certain groups. I'm going to let a kid go independently and work completely at their own pace. And they're not going to do well at it. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to find that out rather quickly. And I'm going to be able to say to that student, hey, this isn't working for you. Look at this test information. Look at these assignments. Look at your standardized score. I got to bring you back to do this with me. Mm -hmm. Or I don't need, oh man, you're doing so great. I don't need to sit and do one-on-ones with you every day. I'm going to let you take your homework and go sit and work. It's, it's not a fail as you think, like fail, like everything's ruined. It's a, it didn't work. I got to make a change. But you've got to be willing to accept as a teacher that you weren't right the first time. Yeah. And we'll, you know, we'll um, shout to her red in the face that, that that's the, what we believe about students and their learning and their development and their progress. We don't want to go through it ourselves. Exactly. No, you do have to. So it's, it is, and it's humbling a little bit. But at the same time, and I'm going to ask you this question, and then I do want to get into a little bit about like the specifics of your math class and, and some of the things you're able to implement. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's just frustrating to me that uh, I know that we would that we'll advocate for that idea of failing forward, um, and that it is it is scary for us. This is where I was going to go for us to fail um, when I think at least at the high school level, when you're willing to try something new. And, and you explain like, hey, going out on a limb, think this is good for you for X, Y, and Z. Let's do this. That They extend so much more grace um, that they are willing to sort of persevere through some of those road bumps to an extent. But I think um, they, they recognize when you're making that effort. Would you say that same thing exists in a sixth grade level? I would say yes, and I'll give you a, my personal example. Yes, that's my what I'm looking for. school year starts out every year. The first two weeks of the school year in – I stand up in front of the kids in the very first math lesson and I say, listen, this is gonna, we're going to run this classroom different than any other classroom you've been in. You're going to have to be flexible. I'm going to be flexible. Things are going to happen here. We're going to make changes. You're going to move around. You're going to do different things and you've got to be ready for it. And I say, you know what? If you want to be in charge of your learning, right, I'm cool with that. 
but I need to know what you can handle before I put you in charge of what I can put you in charge of. Right. So we have to understand each other. And I said, you have to be yeah, honest I'm with me. Like, I'll be honest with just you. Listening to this, but like, I want to I mean, be that's in your what class that day. Going, but that's a discussion, yes, Mr. Cook. But that's let's dis- go there. Yeah, that's a discussion you have to have. Yeah, it's like it's like you said. I feel like if I'm not honest with them, like it's not a secret that hey, wait a minute, you don't do really good working independently because you talk to your friends too much. <laughs> Right. And you don't take good notes if someone's not helping you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a secret. But you know what? I'm going to let you try it. Yeah. And, and you have to understand, I'm letting you try this. If you work good at it, you can keep doing right. it. If it's not good, I'm going to have to. But you just got to tell them that. Because you know what? Front. If they don't learn it in sixth grade or at some point in our system, they learn it when the stakes are thousands of dollars at a place yeah, that's far is, enough away that right, nobody's there to help them math, out. Man. Like we're, <laughs> right. This is envision math, man. Place value is not the end of all be all. Right. No. <laughs> but but that's but that's it though. Is that like they, they need to figure out how they learn best in one environments and and how to optimize the the time they're putting in before they get to college and everyone talks about that struggle of mm-hmm. you know, that first year and uh, how much. Different is just the word you hear college mm-hmm. is, and, and um, I think those are a skill set we need to foster and as a college preparatory thing um, from as early on, you know, as, as the elementary school. So, so math class, okay, um, to kind of get into practical, someone listening to this, um, for whether it's in math or in a different subject, are going to say, Matt, like, what would you say are a few of the defining characteristics of your vision and, and what have really been uh, some things on the ground that have worked well for you? Okay, so... My vision is, like I said before, is to get kids into the environment that works best for them in a math room. So math is such an interesting subject because it is pretty type A, which that is linear. why I feel it is very mm-hmm. linear. And it's the and, and that it's why I think I do well in it because that's my thought process. So I want to um, prevent and, and let's you know I, I try to get my room, my room my classroom into about three groups of kids. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and the size of the group doesn't matter, but I think of it, if I can think of it in a group of three, you know, a group of kids who can completely work independently, who maybe need to speak with me or, or uh, meet with me once, two times a week, kind because they can learn. Yeah, they're, they're che- they are checking. <laughs> they are basically checking kids. They're just running through the lessons at their own pace. They're taking the assessments at their own pace. They're turning everything into me. I'm getting a check and balance every day from them, but I'm not sitting down with them one-on-one. Um, and then I've got the other you know, let's say two groups of kids who will get some direct instruction from me every day. Part of those kids will then move off and work independently after, immediately after direct instruction. They're, they're going to, because those are kids that are going to pick it up right away. They don't need a whole lot of information. They're going to pick it up right away and they're going to go do their work and they're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another group of kids then that's going to get direct instruction from me at the same time, but those kids are going to stay with me mm-hmm. and they're going to get extra one-on-two, one-on-three time one-on-four time with me to do the work, to do more independent work, to practice more before they go and work on their own, or to show me that they know how to do it before I let them work on their own. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying I'm, to... I'm going to throw this question to you, because yeah. if, I'm, if I'm listening to that, and I know that you like have thought this through your, your model here, um, so I'm saying to myself, well, if, they're all, like, if this is all playing out and you're spending additional time with this third group, then what is that first group doing? Because if it's all the same assignment, they're probably done. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so what have you done to sort of. Um, so they have some options. Figure that out. There we they go. have some options. Yeah. So they, their, their first, their <laughs> voice and choice, man. Okay. Their, uh, their options start with their pacing. Um, my instructions to them are that I, you can work as fast as you want through the math book. Um, in my experience, most of them have chosen when they finish one lesson to just go to the next one immediately. Some of those kids will finish two to three lessons a day. 
which is totally cool with me. They can finish a lesson and I, I get kids that live, finish units in three to four days. And I'm okay with that. They just need to check in with me at the end of each lesson at some point to show me that they're ready to progress, which might just be a quick scan of a worksheet that they did. It might be, you know, I check their notes. Um, I have an assistant in the room who will check, who they can check in with on notes and assignments to make sure they're doing things correctly before right. they move. So they're not most of them three choose, units along, and you're like, uh, uh, "Hey, well, you messed up right, the last right, two. Right, this right, is linear. Right. Yeah, that's right. good." But most sixth graders but I'm choose glad you pace. bring that up because people need to, yep. yeah, hear that if you're sort of like building off of what you've done. You know, you know well, there's still some checks and balances. Mm-hmm. Even there has to be. There has to it. be multiple <laughs> checks and balances. That way, I. W- Otherwise, I wouldn't feel comfortable letting them. Right. I mean, I've got to at least have some kind of check every day. I mean, I have to sit with them and direct instruct, but I need to check to make sure that they're getting the right information. Okay. So what happens when that caps okay. out? So now, now, you know, Johnny and Susie across the room are three units ahead and or, where Or they just choose go? not to work fast, which is a possibility. I've mm-hmm. had some students ask, like, well, okay, I just want to do one lesson a day. Well, then you need to extend, right? So we've got... Good. We've got iBooks that were created by our Excellence and Youth team, our EY folks. Katie Sent, right? And Jenny Henningsen did a lot of work on. Does anybody else want to miss shameless anybody? Plug. Yeah, shameless Katie's plug. Katie's in the books. room, too. Those EY, <laughs> those EY books are, are, are extensions for those yep. kids. Yep. Um, what's the. Wait, uh, we have resources district wide to extend resources. things tons for our resources. elementary students? Well, you, all you got to do is yes. ask, right? All you got to do is look. Right. They're there. So you've got that. You've got the. What's the, uh, the binder that they gave me? The. Hold on, I got it. Hold on, it's right here on my shelf. When those kids need to make extra choices, when they've chosen not to do pace, we've got the EY iBooks, we've got the Zaccaro math that they've provided, we've got uh, tic-tac-toe boards that have been created with activities that are on them. Uh, they've got all kinds of choices. I've got a few projects that I like to do um, with kids that are, you know, like a million-dollar project or a plan-your-own-vacation project where they can go out and make some real-life applications to their yeah. things. They can choose through those. I tend to hold those um, to do them with a whole with a whole class. But if those guys want to get started and and really expand on it, yeah. you know, Invest put some, some tech, add some technologies into it and uh, put put things together, um, I will let them go forward on some of those. But it's just really it's about when they choose that, sitting down with my excellence in the youth person or you know a Lynn Spady, a Katie, Jenny's in our building this year, and asking them like hey what do you recommend i got a kid who wants to do this do you have something that meets this need you know and, and it's there you just got to go get it mm-hmm. you know? there's not one size fits all right? right so you really have to know that kid and know what they want to do in my experience it's been a lot about pacing but we've had some of that adaption too yeah man that one size fits all i'll have to put that in the the podcast notes with this too on that cockpit video that they've shown about how they designed the, oh, the airplane the airplane for airplanes the different pilots. Oh, it's, terrible. it's almost cliche or cheesy to us in the district because we've seen that multiple times but i mean that the analogy is pretty solid and so yeah if you're listening you ought to check that out as well um we'll try to post that uh, in the note the show notes here but um well Matt, it's been good getting a chance to hear a little bit. If you had one um, kind of parting piece of advice for somebody who's getting ready to personalize in their classroom, whether it's math or whatever, um, in addition to the relationship piece, because I think that that would be the first place we would both uh, agree that we need to go. Absolutely. Um, give, me, give me something, application or just in your design process maybe that you're like, okay, this is the thing that's going to happen or I had to work through it. or I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll personalize it and say, well, what do you want to bring up here as that last piece of advice. Did I stall enough for you right there? No, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm actually, I've got some, uh, some thoughts it. on what yeah. you're asking me because yeah. I could tell you one right. of the things that, that made this truly possible in my mind is technology. 
okay? So being able to get the math textbook online, having slideshows for kids to watch the lessons, being able to download their own worksheets, being able to go in there and use the online extension pieces if they needed a reteach for a lower group or a, or a benchmark for a kid that wants to test out of some units. Using technology. iBooks, which you mentioned using a minute ago. The iBooks, right. Yeah. Using technology can lower your level of concern because it will hopefully help you get some of those things that would have taken extra time in the past. When you're thinking, you're thinking, oh, where do I find this? I can't, I don't have time to go to here and here and here. Technology. The kids can use technology. Let them use YouTube to find a lesson video. Let them use, make their own lesson videos and share them with their friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, we used Explain Everything to do, you know, to, to make our own lessons and share with our friends how to do things. Tell, you two leverage. Seconds. Tell everybody what Explain Everything is because I know uh, some people. Explain are, Everything I know is it's like been around uh, a little bit, but maybe. Uh, it's, a, it's an app on your iPads. Uh, it's a drawing, video, audio, recording app. It's like a, I don't know, it's like an iPad whiteboard. Yep. It's, it's, gr it's a great app. Um, there, you know what? If you, go to, simple if you go to shameless plug, area66.westside.com, you can uh, find some tutorial videos on. Oh, and even on, how to use on, it. Explain everything. Yep. From eMerge. Wow. If you get Same online, plug, there's, resources, technology there's resources you can watch and <laughs> yeah, use. To, all over the because place. this is what we do as adults, right? Like, I, I, gosh, a year ago, my garbage disposal goes out. I don't know. The first thing, I'm not a DIY guy. Like, but you know what I do? I you buy too. the thing. I get home. I read the instructions. Whatever paper stuff's available to you. Yeah. When you get stuck, watch on YouTube. And when you get absolutely stuck, you get on the phone and you call a friend. <laughs> I, is that not the I model that you're like... Like living out here in oh, sixth grade in an academic setting. You got to do it. Yeah. You got to do it. And, you know, part of uh, those extra things for kids is making those, re showing them some of those resources so they know where to go to begin with. So you leverage that technology and it can really make this idea of voice and choice and flexible groupings. It can almost make some of those things happen for you just by leveraging some of that. So I would say, you know, make sure that you find any technology you can find that can help you enhance what you're doing uh, because it will help make things easier for you. That would be the... That's great. We talk everything from garbage disposals to <laughs> math hey, uh, to a little explain I fix everything. my car on YouTube every... Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You can find anything on YouTube. Well, hey, thank you for your time. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.